I would say that the logo is probably, it, it's so important, but it's probably not as important as, you know, most people would think only because it's just a small piece of, of such a bigger pie. And that while we specialize and we we just love to um, refresh and rebrand and, and logo is such a, an important piece of that, it is never going to tell your entire story. And I think that what happens with a logo des- redesign process usually is that the expectation is that the logo is going to change it all or it's going to do it all and this is it and this is, you know, there's this this very finite look at it, but it's really, it's not this static thing. I mean, how often are you being judged on just your logo and and they're looking at something where the logo is just alone and there's not a website or a sign or a model or, you know, something else, you know, revolving around it. So, you know, it needs to be accurate and it needs to be up to date and it needs to represent you well, um, but it can't tell your whole story. Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elfman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. All right, guys, and we have a really fun and special episode for you this week. Um, Just kind of let you know what you're going to hear. We did a fun Facebook Live uh, recording of Building Perspective, and because it was Halloween, we called it Building Perspective. Um, hope you caught the video live on Facebook. If not, you should go check it out. A lot of fun. Um, kind of showed off some of our costumes. Actually talked about scary things that could happen as a home builder. Um, and we actually had some of the uh, some of our team dress up as the different faces of Matt Riley. So that, that was fun surpri- and surprising. <laughs> At the same time, so the first part of this uh, first part of this episode is our building perspective Halloween episode instead of our top topics of the week, and then we transition right into our changes episode with uh, with our creative director Georgia. So super super fun talking about builder brands and how things work. So uh, stay tuned and check it out. It's a really fun episode. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to our Facebook Live episode, our special edition of Building Perspective. Dubbed I think he means Building Perspective. Building Perspective, <laughs> our Halloween edition. Happy early Halloween slash Halloween Eve to everyone. Um, we all like to get in the spirit of Halloween here at the Group 2 <laughs> office. Uh, and this time around, I'm actually in our Philadelphia office. Yay! Yay! which is why we have a little different studio going on. And uh, everybody here dresses up. We have fun. We have Halloween contests. We'll have maybe some special guests popping in and out. Oh, yes. Yeah. Molly, what are, what are you this Halloween? So today I am Molly Mooseman instead of Molly Elkman. And um, I'm a moose. Um, 
And there is a little story behind that. And why um, are you a moose? So we were doing some creative for a uh, project for my brother, who also has the last name Elkman. And somehow we used a moose head instead of an elk head. And it was hysterical because nobody here really knew the difference or could tell just from looking at the animal. And he was like, oh, I really love it. But uh, that's a moose. So today, a Molly Mooseman. And yeah. I love it. Cool. What are, what are you? Mine is like lame. I had to travel. He, so this is what he wears on a regular Monday. Right, right. I'm He Man. If you, I'm a child of the '80s, like that's that's what I am. That's what I grew up on. Was yeah. He Man. You're not even prepared for how competitive we get here. I, there I'm, are some serious costumes that you're gonna see, um, and they'll be coming through with uh, different people from the team. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to pass it off and see you later, Molly Moose. See ya. <laughs> Let's bring our first guest in. Who do we have with us today? Whoa. Be careful. What is this? Wait a minute. What's what's happening here? <laughs> Hi. Welcome to Building Perspective. I'm Matt Riley, and I know I said I was in Philadelphia, but <laughs> I'm actually at my home office. R what? <laughs> so... Uh, uh, me and the social team, who you might see a little bit later too, we decided to punk Matt and come in as different versions of him. So I'm the at-home office version of Matt Riley. You'll see on, if you've ever FaceTimed with him or you watched our last building perspective, you'll see I've got his Nolan Ryan pitching picture, picture on the side. It's on the wall. I have him and his wife and his 40 under 40 prize. He went to the Phillies game. Have up there <laughs> a Royal Oaks construction hat and all of the books. His home builder tech badge. Yep. Um, and even a little pop up screen that's, that he chats us with. That's what everyone gets from me is the I'd like to have a video chat meeting. So we have all of our meetings via video chat. So this is all that everyone sees of my office, this, and so it's a replica of it. Matt at the office. In Philadelphia. <laughs> in Philadelphia, inside a cardboard box. Um, so maybe I need to do some uh, sprucing up of my office so it doesn't look more like a cardboard box. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So very funny costume, even though it's of me. Uh, we won't talk about that. Thanks. <laughs> all right, so this episode of Building Perspective, we're going to be talking about some scary things that can happen with us in the home building industry oh, yeah. uh, and with our customers, like what? I would say that the spookiest, scariest thing that happens on social media is when you get a bad review on your page. And builders come to us all the time with questions. Oh my God, someone had a bad review. What do I do? This is going to destroy my entire company. It won't. You'll be okay. I'm yeah. here to tell you. You'll be fine. And I'll give you a couple of tricks of the trade and treats to help you get over these bad, spooky reviews. So yeah. the best thing that you can do with a bad review is take it offline immediately. What do you mean? So a lot of times people think that if there's a bad review on your page, you need to have a back and forth conversation on there with everyone to see but why would you want to like poke the bear anymore online and have them maybe continue a bad conversation online? Yeah. The best thing to do and the most personal thing to do really is 
write a message to them so that people see that you are responsive and you are continuing the conversation with them, but saying, hi, so-and-so, you can say their name. Yeah. And you can say, we want to get in contact with you as soon as possible in order to resolve this blank issue. And you'll say, please direct message us with your name and your phone number. Or if this is a disgruntled homeowner, you may already have their phone number. And in that case, you can take action right away and say, someone on our team is reaching out to you right away. Be on the lookout for their call. And so why do you think that's important to do? Like to see even what, because you can do that on a negative comment on a post yep. or an actual review. Yeah. Why do you, why is that important to see that to make an actual post instead of just, just reaching out to the prospect or the customer directly? Yes. It's important because then other people that are looking on your page see that a, okay, there are, there might be some issues along the line with you, which of course we're all human. That happens. If you had five stars out of five stars every time and a million good reviews, people would get a little suspicious that they might be fake. So seeing that bad review, but then seeing that you're responding to that right away and taking it into your own hands versus ignoring it and not even acting like it's there, it's so important to in, invoke that trust with your audience that they don't even know you. Yeah, I, I think it helps to actually show other people that, hey, they care, there's yeah. people there. Um, and I also think that it's, we're talking about it's not the end of the world if someone made a negative comment or a review because as human beings, we know that companies aren't always going to like be happy with every single interaction they have with the company. And I think that if you only see positive reviews and that's it, I think it actually draws out some skepticism yeah. from prospects thinking that that's fake. Like Definitely. there's gotta be someone that was upset with something along the way because we're all human and we make mistakes. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about good reviews and bad reviews and you're coming to IBS this year, I'm actually doing a tech bite session on how to respond to good reviews, bad reviews and manage your reputation on social media. So check it out. Check it out. I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll message you and I'll say, come check it out. I'll send I, you the link. I also, just so you know, if you're going to be in a real costume, I can't reach through my screen. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, Matt from home, working from home remotely in the year 2030. <laughs> when we can reach through 3D, like look, taste, smell, all of it. All right? of that. Yeah, that's great. All right, we have somebody else that's going to pop in. Going to head uh, out. Gonna, Bye. Bye, Matt from home. <laughs> all right, come on in. Who do we have? Oh, I'm gonna, oh my God, am I on TV? You're on TV. Oh, my God, is this live? <laughs> it's live. Oh, my God. Okay, so my, my name is Alexis, Alexis Rose of Schitt's Creek, and I'm so excited to be this here This is today. a family show. You're not allowed to say curse words. Oh, I, I won't. Well, Schitt's <laughs> Creek is just a town that my dad bought. You know, we were oh. really wealthy, and now we live in Schitt's Creek, and it, it's it's been a little bit of a learning experience to get used to living here. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like with your do dad. You watch, do you watch my show? I don't watch your show. I, watch I don't have a ton of... Factor, uh, background on that one. Well, hopefully some of you watching today watch Schitt's Creek and can appreciate Alexis Rose. <laughs> Alexis Rose. Yes. All right. Yes. I love it. I love okay. it. So how would you handle people that leave bad reviews about well, um, I, your town? I actually Creek? wanted to, oh, how would I handle that? Respond yeah. to them. And you know, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, give us, 
respond positively and things of that nature. But what I really wanted to talk about today, being yeah. that it's Halloween, that's right. Is have you ever been ghosted before, Matt? Um, I I don't know. I I, I think. Do you know what ghosting is? I'm old. Okay, so ghosting is. Let's say you went on like a date and someone's acting like they're totally into you, and you're like, yeah. I have this in the bag, and they're like, I'll call you. Right. They don't call you. Right. They ghosted you. Oh, so they just drop off the face of the drop earth. Drop off the face of the earth. Okay. And so today I want to talk about when you're working with someone, they come into your model home, you're having great rapport, you think they're all in, they're going to sign a contract, they say, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get back to you, I'm so excited. You're like, I got this. Right. You follow up via email, phone call, no response. That prospect has just ghosted you. Okay. So how do we, how many, I'm sure many of you following today have been ghosted by a that client or That definitely prospect. happens a lot happens. in our industry. So what I want to talk about is not to be scared about ghosting and keep your follow-up even, don't just send one email and be like, oh, they're not interested anymore. I haven't heard from them. For heard from them. So I just want to reiterate the importance of follow-up and that personal phone calls, those text messages, those handwritten notes, literally following up till they tell you to, you know what. Um, go to Schitt's Creek. Correct. Go to Schitt's Creek. So <laughs> that's kind of like, you know, ghosting in the, in the spirit yep. of Halloween, but how, how we all been there before, right? How we don't like the feeling, right. how we're maybe a little bit discouraged after we have such a great appointment or things of that nature, but to just keep how important the follow up is. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome advice. And it works really, really well. Actually, wow. And somebody else is knocking on the door out oh there. Oh my gosh. Have somebody else come in too. All right. Well, thank um, you so much for having me. It was so happy you. to be on today. Good and, luck uh, on your travels back to Shit's Creek. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. I, and like um, Alexis yeah. was saying, some great things to do and to get some really great responses when, if, when and if you get ghosted um, is to actually, you know, the phone calls, the text messages, those are huge, but don't forget video calls, like video messages, because those are huge um, and can make a big difference and get a response. Wait a minute, what do we I, Am I late? I, I heard there was a building perspective going on. There is on. a building perspective. What do we have here? Hi, so I'm Matt Riley. Welcome to Building Perspective. <laughs> this is the um, Halloween episode. Uh, oh, sorry, let me just adjust my mic here. Right, okay. <laughs> I love it. So, and who are you supposed to be again? I am the Building Perspective, Matt Riley. Uh, I, I don't know what in your energy. <laughs> I'm energized. I'm ready to go. You're ready to go. You've got the building perspective T-shirt on. Everything's ready. Do you? <laughs> so, uh, building perspective, Matt. Do you have any advice or things like like any particular callouts that you want that you want to mention to our our audience and our listeners? Um, a great Halloween post you can make for the season is <laughs> if you have a community filled with children. Um, you could go around and collect some photos and make it really festive and seasonal and fun. That's awesome. Okay. And, and adjust the mic. You got to make sure that everybody can hear yes. you yep. properly. Testing. Testing. Right, right. Okay, guys. Well, we have a ton of fun here at the Group <laughs> 2 office. And um, apparently we take Halloween here to a whole nother level um, and got to have some fun with it. And um, really appreciate you guys. Hey, Matt, Matt. Wait, what's hey, happening? Matt and Molly, what's up? <laughs> Do you guys want to sign off? I'll let. Oh yeah. I'll Thank let. you for joining us for Building Perspective. Thanks, guys. Molly Mooseman and Building Perspective, Matt Riley. That's right. And we're gonna show pictures later. Uh, we're have a lot of great costumes coming your way. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Yeah.
All right, and we are back, and we're going to dive into our focus discussion of the week this week, which is building builder brands. And we are so excited to have with us Georgia Castellano. Did I say it right? You did. I'm just kidding. I know how to say your name. Um, Who is the creative director here with Matt and I at Group 2. And Georgia, we're so thrilled to have you. Thanks for having me. And what I want to do is, before I even say anything else about you, I want you to give us a little background on how you got started in the housing industry and working with builders on their brands. Yeah, so I I went to school to um, I started as a graphic designer um, and uh, business management, um, and so I knew that I wanted to you know tell stories through um, you know visuals and and branding, and and so I, I started in the agency world um, with an you know an agency that advertised for all sorts of different you know industries, um, food, uh, financial. Um, you know, the, the total, you know, gamut of, you know, what a typical local agency will, um, advertise for. And then after that, I, um, I moved to the, the, actually the Campbell soup, um, design and branding department where I, um, managed all of Campbell's brands. So they, um, you know, brands like, the, the red and white can that you know as Campbell's, but there's also many other brands like Prego and Pepperidge Farm and V8 and um, probably remember uh, SpaghettiOs from when you were younger. Um, so so I really uh, worked closely with the, the brand guidelines and, um, you know, whenever we were thinking about a brand refresh for any of those, um, really, you know, working with the, the, the strategy team there to figure out, you know, whether we wanted a, what we said was an evolution or a revolutionary brand change. And then from there, um, I was at a creative director for an internal um, marketing team for in the food industry, um, where I grew that brand. And then I came here. One of my favorite brands, of course, and I want to give a little further background because I often say to Georgia that I've been looking for you my entire career. <laughs> I think that's. I think I said that to you, like on our first date, the first time we ever met, and that is because for many years I was I was really um, directing some of the creative, and my background really is um, the creative deliverable, but never the actual creative technique. So, you know, Georgia, being able to work with you has been amazing for me and amazing for the builders that we have and that we work with because you are you are an artist, you are talented, and you, and you lead a team of artists. So um, it's, it's really been amazing for me in my career to get to work with you and see you bring that to life um, for the housing industry. So I do want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a creative director because you do have a team that you work with and what that what that looks like and what that role is and how that benefits builders. Yeah, so so in here at Group 2 we have a team of copywriters and designers who all work really closely with, you know, our other talented teams to um sort of weave each builder's story throughout all our different platforms. So um, essentially the the creative team, really the visual brand of the builder and 
through our discovery process and then takes that brand and, you know, develops it throughout the different collateral and the website and, you know, social and, and all those pieces. And we really make sure that that look and feel and personality stays consistent in every place that the builder is showing up. Yeah, last year at the Builder Show, uh, you were a speaker and you spoke about marketing to millennials on an amazing panel. Um, and you talked a little bit about this process and the creative process that we use, and specifically um, about just where it starts. And um, you've brought mood boards to the housing industry and and really have implemented a, a pretty unique process for starting that branding for a builder. So can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah. So when we we start with our discovery process, there is a competitive analysis and a website review and a positioning strategy. So we start with those and that's where we really, you know, it's not just for group two to get to know our, our builder. It's for us to really understand what makes you special um, in your market and really pull out the things that we, we want to talk about and we want to market about that builder. So what we needed to make sure that we were doing was representing that visually. So the the mood board, that the process that we've we've implemented really takes the positioning strategy and the competitive analysis and turns it into, you know, what that looks like visually. So it's this, how we use it internally is we, we, you know, once that mood board is finalized, um, we share it with each other so that we are getting inspired and we are all on the same page and we know what colors to use, what types of imagery to use, what the personality of the builder is in it. You know, it, it, it's so much more powerful when you take that positioning strategy, which is a written document, and have something visual to show for it. Yeah, and I think I think it would be a good idea for us to show an example of exactly what you're talking about so our, our listeners can see that because every time I've seen you present this to a builder, they're amazed at the simplicity of how and, and how much it makes a difference to have words that really represent your company and give your company a personality, but then take it that step further where you then turn those words into visuals through textures and fonts and images. And oftentimes, you know, I've heard you say to builders, you know, if you were showing a picture that didn't show a home, what would that picture be? Or what would that visual be? And then we put together this um, document that evokes these feelings that that we see in those words. And it's it's pretty cool. And it's special to see. So um, I definitely want you to pick out an example of that to share with our listeners. Absolutely. And, and it's, um, there's, there's so many favorites and, and it's so exciting. I mean, really the, the, the most fun is, is presenting it to the builder. And what we really, we, there's, what we really like to say is that this is, um, also works as a conversation starter where, um, there are, there are things that you wouldn't even believe that you learn about a builder when, um, you start, using visuals to represent them instead of wor- just words um, about the way certain things make them feel or might make their buyers feel that, um, you know, you would have never sparked that conversation if you didn't, you know, go through this process. So it really does uncover, I mean, it's why we call it the discovery process, because it in- uncovers um, details that, like you said, the mood board, it's, it's reflecting a mood. And so it, it's powerful to, to learn from. 
I love that. So I want to focus on one specific word, um, and that word is branding. Because I think in our industry, this has been a word that people don't understand. And it's hard to value something that you don't necessarily understand. And branding is extremely important. And what I see happening a lot of the time is that we focus so much on sales, 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 that we forget that we have to also be you know, communicating the message and everything that we're doing in order to get people to the process and to to the sales team. So it really, in my mind, all starts with branding. Can you share, you know, what do you think about branding and why it's so important for builders? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, and and some of the, the the questions that we've gotten are are where does brand fall in against product or, or what is the difference between my brand and the product that I'm offering and <clears throat> what essentially they should be is are, are things that work together and you know part of the same um, ecosystem. So what the brand shouldn't feel like is a decoration on top of your product photos. You know, the brand should really feel like it's the personality that best represents your product. Um, so a, a lot of times, and, and think about when you go to, you know, a lot of times if the um, buyer's doing a Google search, which is probably the, the, the first, you know, foray that they're, the first, you know, way that they're entering into the process and they're comparing builders in their area, um, the first experience they have with you is comparing builder websites to each other. And when you are looking at a builder website, it's not just a photo gallery. Um, it's an experience of, you know, the, the colors that, you know, the, the typefaces, the logo, the, you know, how all of those things are interacting together, your voice in, in the copy that you write. So, you know, buyers, whether they realize it or not, are making judgments on builders that go far beyond um, product, which product is still as important as we think it is, but it it's more that if the brand doesn't represent the product in the best way or in the most accurate way, um, it could be detrimental or you could be ruled out. I, I think too, when it comes to branding and you mentioned like typeface and font and things like that, there are there's a reason why companies like Coca-Cola or Pepsi or some major, major Fortune 100, 500 companies, they pay millions of dollars for a logo or millions of dollars for a font and the type. Like, there's a reason why they do that, not because they just like to look at their own color, right? Oh, of course. And um, it's funny, we were just talking about this yesterday, and Nike is such a good example of that. That swoosh is so simple, um, but what it represents is complex. And while, you know, it would be easy to recreate and it probably wasn't physically hard to produce, the thought um, that went into it, and I actually couldn't tell you off the top of my head the whole backstory behind the swoosh. Uh, Matt, you might know. Um, but what I know is that it was strategic and it it's recognizable for a reason and we associate it with the brand and the brand personality and that is all intentional. So Georgia, we're talking about brands and branding and we're talking a little bit about visuals. I want to talk about brand voice because you actually, you know, in our time working together, you taught me something really important and you probably have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth right now. Um, but it's something I think about quite often for, for the builders that we work with. And that is 
<laughs> we used to be told that we have to use our buyer's voice in our marketing communication and try to speak the way our buyer speaks. And you really came in and said, no, that's not right. And that's not what builders should be doing. We should be speaking in our voice, but communicating it effectively. And that's going to connect with buyers. And that did shift the perspective of the best way to connect with with buyers. So can you talk a little bit about brand voice and coming up with the right brand voice for a builder that isn't just, you know, cheaply trying to use words that the buyer would potentially use? Yeah, absolutely. And essentially the the whole experience, the buyer journey is sort of like a conversation between you and the buyer. And when buyers are conversing in with other brands and with people in their lives, you know, they're not they're not talking to everyone they talk to isn't like themselves, you know, isn't speaking in the same way that they do. What's important is that the builder voice is consistent in the way that it's represented and that it's true to who the the builder is and who you are. So, you know, that can be a combination of your product, your team, um, the emotion that you want the build the buyer to feel. So when you figure out what your brand is, and and like I said, we have a, a you know a clear process for that that starts with a positioning strategy and then a mood board. And once those are, you know those are clear, then you can start to really understand the way that you speak and the way that, you know, every single time that you're, you know, posting on social or answering your phones or greeting someone in your sales office or your model home, those consistencies, what they do is they build trust with the buyer because every time they talk to you, you are acting the way that you're you know, you're conveying the way that you are. So, you know, I, I think I used this example at at IBS last year is that if if every single time you walked in the room, you were just playing a completely different character, people would think you were crazy. Um, so, you know, when you, you take that personality and you really run with it because that's what buyers are going to get to know and recognize and feel familiar with and trust. I think that's a great analogy. How obvious do you think it is to buyers when a builder does not have a cohesive brand and brand strategy? You know, it it's a good question because I, I don't think that buyers, you know, innately are say that to themselves. You know, it's one of those things that they they won't necessarily be able to identify it immediately, but they will feel turned off in a way that might make them just not totally realize that they um, had a negative experience or they feel like something isn't quite right or something doesn't quite add up here. So I think that for the buyer, it's just, it's it's something that they're going to feel. How would you, I, we talk about brand, but how, how do you, def, for you, Georgia, how do you define, what is your definition of a brand? You've mentioned this, and I think in some blogs that we have out there posted, but how do you define brand? Yeah, I th- there's there's a quote that I, I, I like, and I'm not exactly sure who said it, um, but it's that brand is what people say and think about you when you're not in the room. Um, and I like that because that, really sums up that it it's the way that any interaction with you as a company has made people feel um, and left an impression on you. So 
of course, that could be so many things. And and I'll use the analogy of just meeting a person in real life. That could be the way that they spoke, the way that they dressed, the way that they treated you, whatever they were selling. If, if you know, that was the type of interaction, it, it's the compilation of everything about who you are. I like that you talk about a person because we do have a lot of listeners that are in sales. And I do think that you know, this idea of a personal brand and your company brand, it can be a little confusing and overwhelming because we are talking about personal relationships under an umbrella of a company, which is the builder. So, um, you know, I think that personal brand ideas is definitely relevant to our listeners. I think that sometimes people have a hard time understanding in general what brand, because it can be this like, pie in the sky thing that's not tangible. And I I like to substitute that word sometimes for just an easier one, which is reputation. You know, like what, whether it's a personal brand, your personal brand, your company brand, you know, whether it's Nike, whether it's group two, whether it's home builder, doesn't matter, you know, fill in the blank. It is, it's your reputation and your reputation is when you, you know, if you have a great reputation as a person and someone overhears your name brought up or being spoke about, talked about, um, you know, it's what people's initial reaction of you are when they hear, when they hear someone else talking, saying your name or you're brought up in a conversation. And I think that's to me, that's exactly the brand. It's, but it's just from a company perspective, not the person's perspective. I love that. Look at you making creative so deep and making us just sit here and think about (laughs) about reputation. Um, We're laughing because Matt is making flexing my muscle. He's literally flexing a muscle on the camera, and I wish I had taken a screenshot (laughs) to share with our listeners because you are goofy. Um, Yeah, no, I really like that analogy, and I I don't think I've ever heard you say that before, and I think um, that describes it really well for our listeners. Oh, I was just going to add to that, and, and that is reputation and brand can can meet sometimes when you want to change your reputation. So, so I think it's really good to think of reputation as the the way that you're viewed currently. But if you want to change your reputation, then that's where you look at where you are now versus where you want to go. And you can start talking about what you need to do to change about your voice and your look and your color palette and your logo and, and all of the things that, you know, make up that brand experience and, and see how you can sway the the prospective buyer perception. So what I'm hearing is that Matt is wrong. Let's just take a second. <laughs> I wanna I wanna stay there for a second because I this is all about perspective, but I do wanna I wanna bring something up because now you're actually getting into something even deeper. And this is Matt and I often talk about this, which is more important, reputation or character. And I think what you're talking about is sometimes reputation isn't the final say. So like, for example, a builder could right now have a negative reputation that is not actually reflective of who you are, which is your character. And there is an opportunity to use branding to change what that reputation is by telling your story in a better way. Precisely. You nailed it. So uh, here's an interesting analogy or story, personal story. So when it comes to brand, so my old company, Royal Oaks Homes, um, when 
we were doing about 300 at the time we were doing about 300 homes a year and our design center was maybe the maybe a little larger than a two car garage it wasn't actually a lot of builders make their design centers in the sales center garage it was not in the sales center garage it was a central location where people went but it was just it was in our corporate office it was just really small and tight and we had created a, the perception, I shouldn't say the perception, we, we had created our brand being a high-end feel, um, you know, just we didn't price ourselves to be the bottom of the market in pricing. Like not, we, our kind of thing was not everybody can afford a Royal Oaks home. And we were proud of that. But when they came to our design center and we were operating out of this little bitty tiny space and the choice was very limited and it wasn't very well organized. We started like the, there was a letdown in the expectations of what our, our company's brand perception was. And so we, we had done a great job of building the perception of a high end luxury, but yet still affordable home builder that could hit different scales of the market. But when they came to the design center, there was kind of like the wah, 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 you know, it was like, well, you're, this part of your process doesn't match the perception that I've had of your brand thus far. And so, which we started getting that feedback. And so immediately that's when we went on the quest to build a standalone, large, really nice design center. Um, it started from the, a brand perception. And I think that when people initially think about brand they think of their logo and like what we were talking about at first but it's it's more than that and i think that when you're thinking about the bigger picture of brand and reputation and things like that you have to examine all the different parts of your process and what buyers go through and it it's not as simple as the logo it's anything that your customer is going to come in contact with Anything that you're going to send them home with, whether it be an options printout for pricing or the homeowner's warranty manual or sales center collateral or sales office stuff, like any and all of that is a direct reflection of the perception of your brand. I just think that was, you know, that's something to, that we need to think about as a whole in it because it goes way beyond just a color and a logo. Yeah, I would say that the logo is probably it, it's so important, but it's probably not as important as, you know, most people would think only because it's just a small piece of, of such a bigger pie. And that while we specialize and we we just love to um, refresh and rebrand and, and logo is such a, an important piece of that it is never going to tell your entire story. And I think that what happens with a logo redesign process usually is that the expectation is that the logo is going to change it all or it's going to do it all and this is it. And this is, you know, there's this, this very finite look at it, but it's really, it's not this static thing. I mean, how often are you being judged on just your logo and, and they're looking at something where the logo is just alone and there's not a website or a sign or a model or, you know, something else, you know, revolving around it. So, you know, it needs to be accurate and it needs to be up to date and it needs to represent you well. Um, but it can't tell your whole story. So 
you know, one of the things we're talking about is really design and creativity. And this is not that far from what builders do. So what happens is we're always talking in the industry about the design and the product of homes. And the same conversations happen between you and your team here about the design and creative of the marketing pieces. And one of the things I find really interesting is that just like different styles go in and out of trend with homes. The same thing happens with marketing. And I think, um, you know, the other day we had a, a debate about drop shadows and, you know, these it's the same conversations that builders are having about product and we're having that about marketing. So can you talk a little bit about just the design and creative side of what you do? Yeah, so just just with, you know, with builder design, you know, it's important to stay on top of trends and with with change and branding and and if you're looking to refresh or want to do a, a whole redesign, you know, it depends on a lot of different things. Essentially, your your look could be out of date and that means that you definitely need a refresh. Um, but your look also needs to accurately represent who you are. So if you look out of date, if your logo looks out of date, or if your whole brand and your collateral looks out of date, it's going to reflect um, back on on you and who you are as a builder and look potentially like you don't stay up to date um, in the way that you design your homes and, and your process and your whole experience. So, so really, it's in the same way that a builder has to Make sure that they're using the most updated building materials and and you know understand buyers' needs and and wants and um, we're doing that in in the design world and we're we're we have to stay on top of trends otherwise you know th- those things can 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 go out of date yeah for sure. I have a question. So how do you know, or how can you tell if you're out of date? Like how do you know if you've got a bad haircut and no one tells you? So typically a, a brand, once it's been set, if you have a, a clear brand with a voice and a look, it should almost always be revisited after a period of, I would say, at least check in every two to three years to make sure that um, you know, you're questioning if it still represents who you are today. So we always say when we create a brand guideline, this is a this is a this document is not, you know, ever going to be done. You know, it's a, it's a living, breathing thing that probably should be, you know, always evaluated and and making sure that it's, it's accurate and it's, it's the best reflection of who you want to be. Yeah. I I really think a lot of builders don't want to spend time understanding marketing, which I totally understand. And then what happens is they're, you know, talking about a really progressive, amazing product when they talk about their homes, and then they still have the same logo that they had in the 80s. And the buyer or just a regular everyday consumer can feel that because they're not necessarily comparing you to another builder. They're comparing you to every brand that they interact with. So when the when the marketing and the branding doesn't match the product, it actually really um, diminishes the trust because doesn't matter how good your product is if you're not, you know, in those nonverbal branding communications showing, you know, the same representation, then um, it really can hurt the relationship. Yeah. And there, there are ways to do it where if you have 
um, you know, recognition in your market that, you know, a, a logo can be refreshed. And I'm sure you've seen examples of this in, in out in, in the world where there are traces and clear indications that this is the same brand. It's just evolving. So that's when we really like to take a step back and, and you know, make sure that we're looking at your reputation. And if you have a great reputation, we don't want to change for the sake of change, you know, and, and a logo can be anywhere from, you know, really close in to where it was before or your, your brand or, you know, totally far out. If you feel like you've, you know, evolutionarily uh, changed as a company, then maybe it is time for a total rebrand. So you gave me a lesson the other day on a couple fonts that are like, don't use these fonts because if you do, you're not cool. Can you give our listeners a couple fonts that they should just never use? Well, of course, the the one we were talking about is called Comic Sans. Uh, Matt, have you heard of Comic Sans? It's my favorite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but really now, you know, typography is is shifting a little bit into a, you know a more digital space, and we really try to make sure that we're using web friendly fonts. Um, Google has so many fonts available, and, and Adobe does as well. And essentially. You know, typefaces and fonts are a great reflection of, you know, they can really show a personality, but they also, you know, they need to be legible. They need to be readable. So the first thing is if you have a really scripty font that, you know, if it looks too um, antique or, um, you know, a little bit too crazy, it's just, it's so important that, um that it's readable, that it's functional, because your voice isn't going to come across if, if people don't know what it says. So we we try to keep script to um, whether it be accents or subheadlines, and and you know if you're going if you want to incorporate something like that, we definitely recommend doing it sparingly. Yeah, there's nothing worse than seeing like a community entry sign where you're like, wait, what's the name? <laughs> I mean, and it happens all the time because the font is just you can't read it, and especially not when you're in a car. Well, we've 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 heard and and we've talked about you know typefaces in a logo or a community logo, you know, needing to be completely unique and and like nothing you've ever seen before. But the good news is that one, the name of your community contributes to the uniqueness, and everything else, like we were saying, that's telling your story is contributing to the uniqueness. So your typeface does not need to be, um, you know, something completely spectacular. I, I think too, when we talk about, you know, we're talking about fonts and, and logos and colors. I, I think that you also have to take into consideration um, what, and w- one of the part of the exercises that we do, but is, you know, if you're DIYing it, um, you, you've got to look at what's around you and what your competition looks like to make sure that you're, that you look different. Like as you guys were talking about brands, I actually Googled the Nike swoosh. Uh, interestingly enough, Nike paid $35 for the swoosh. Ah. Uh, and, uh, but the interesting thing is, is why did the Nike, why is the Nike swoosh so memorable? It's because there's nothing else like it in the sea of apparel and the sea of shoes, there's nothing else like the Nike swoosh and why it, that's why it's so memorable. And as a, as a builder, we have to do the same thing. We have to look at what's around us 
We have to look at how other people are branding and sometimes go in a completely different direction just to make sure we stand out. I was having this conversation with a builder in the um, kind of the Midwest just the other day. And if you've ever lived in the Midwest, you know that in the wintertime, the skies are just perpetually gray. I mean, it can be a beautiful day, but it's a gray backdrop of, of skies. And we were just talking about like a community entrance sign. And there were like, you know, the initial kind of run through, there was like grays and greens and things like that on the sign. But the reality is you have to look about what the geographical area that you're in, because in the winter, and if you're in the Midwest or the Northeast, the winters are it could be five, four months long. And so, so four months out of the year, your signage and your brand, your logo is just going to blend in with the backdrop of the sky and its surroundings. And I think it's really, really important to think about ways that you're going to, that you are different, that you stand out and kind of applying that Nike swoosh mentality of it. it and if you think about the Nike swoosh, it's such a weird shape, right? Like it's just weird looking, but now it's just, it's the Nike swoosh. Like if you were to not know that it was Nike and someone were to put that in front of you and be like, Hey, we want this to be your logo. You'd be like, what the hell are you putting in front of me? You know? Yeah. But that, that actual logo has evolved so much over the years. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it didn't start as a standalone icon, it started and went with the brand name. And then over the course of time, the recognition became more and more, um, it grew more and more. And then it became just their tagline, just do it. I mean, people here just do it and they know it's Nike just because of the brand recognition. Um, But what's actually kind of funny to me is logos in general today have really gone away from an individual icon and have become even more about typeface, I think. Do you think that, Georgia? Are you seeing that? Yeah. I, and especially, um, and we've run into this and, and you know, it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It can be so dependent on your literal name of your company um, and your specific offerings. Because if you're comparing builder to builder, you most of the the things that will represent who you are are going to be similar. Um, And so you really need to make sure that, you know, whether it's a roof or a house and and there's nothing wrong with those things if you can represent them in a way that's unique. Um, But what you don't want to do is, you know, like Matt said, blend in with, with your competition. So what the reason why it has skewed towards typeface is as the all markets get more crowded, um, your name is automatically going to set you apart. So that's just, uh, you know, it makes so much sense that, you know, stressing and being consistent around the way that your name is written, um, it is becoming more common because it, you own that. You can't say that you own anything else as much as your name. I love that. And I think it's pretty funny because Builders don't even realize they're doing it. So, for example, Welcome Home. Every single builder has Welcome Home as some key kind of message, and they don't realize that that doesn't help them. That's not generating warmth and trust with 
with a potential buyer because everyone else is also saying welcome home. So I think being aware and being self-aware is is not a keeping up with the Joneses and looking around and seeing what everyone else is doing. It's really just making sure that you have all the information needed to stand apart and, and of course, stand apart from resale, stand apart from any other option in the market. Right. And, and there's a there's a time and a place for welcome home. It's, you know, when you hand the buyer their keys. And, exactly. And, you know, there are times when it makes sense. But yes, for, for main messaging and for tagline and, and for things that are, you know, when the buyer is in the part of the journey where they're really comparing builder to builder, um, when they do that, that yes, welcome home is not going to separate you from the competition. Yeah. One of the things that I always find with with marketing new homes more than any other category is builders want to essentially use sales messaging in marketing. And it can sometimes be a struggle to convince them that your marketing message is different than your sales message. Of course, there's a product and there's a price, but you really, you know, that call to action in marketing is really to get them to the next step in the process, not to sell a home through your marketing message. So, um, you know, can you can you talk a little more about just the different, like the messaging that someone would see at different stages in the process? Because we do well, everything from, you know, online ads to sales offices to logos. So can you talk about that a little? Yeah. So, well, one of my favorite brands right now that I've kind of been keeping an eye on is Casper Mattresses. Um, And what I think that they do really well, um, and, and, you know, most successful brands do this really well, but it's they're selling a good night's sleep. They're not selling mattresses. And so what you want to, the way you want to speak to a buyer early on in their journey is what is the emotional benefit of your product? What is it going to do for them in a really, um, you know, what, what are they getting out of it? You know, is it a lifestyle? Is it, um, you know, more time to spend with their family? Is it more space to spread out to cook bigger meals? Is it more, you know, more you know, that in that vein, you know, what what is really go- about your homes is going to change their lives. And so keeping that mentality, there is absolutely a time and a place to explain the details of, of your product and the quality. And, and it's so important, but it's not it's not the first touch point. So you're talking about um, a brand and we've talked a little bit about other brands that are outside of housing. Can you where are some places that you get creative inspiration uh, that you apply to housing? For us, what we like to do is when we start interaction with a, a new builder um, and builders that we've worked with for a long time, we tend to kind of have brands that we um, will look to that remind us of them from another industry. So for example, if you are a builder who one of your differentiators is personalization, we like to look and, and search for brands that we either have had an interaction with or have seen online or seen in real life that do personalization really well. So that could be retail space. Um, that could be, you know, build your own Nike Air, I think Nike Air has it, you know, build your own, whatever it may be. So we really like to hone in on what the differentiator is and then work backwards from there. So, you know, is 
is it all about family and and trust? And, and is that a differentiator for you if you're a family business? And then we like to look at some local brands and look at brands that have been around for a long time and, and you know, brands that, um, you know, have traditional family values and then see what they're doing really well. All right. Okay, Georgia. So what if, you know, since it's our own podcast and you've probably listened intently to every single episode we've ever done, um, you will, you know that we always wrap up the interview with some fun questions about the person. And so I want to ask you this. So what are, what are you reading right now? What are you listening to right now? Maybe podcast wise. And then what are you binge watching? Okay. So what I'm reading right now is a book called Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Um, And it is essentially, it's, 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 to build on writing and it's writing philosophy. But um, what I love about it is it's called Bird by Bird um, because her brother, when she was younger, um, was writing a book report on birds and he waited until the very last minute and he had all these books sprawled out on the table um, and he had to write about all these different birds and it was, you know, 2 a.m. and he hadn't started yet and their dad walked by and, you know, patted him on the shoulder and said, just take it bird by bird. And so that applying to, you know, taking your time and, you know, you can't get everything done at once and kind of like working well under pressure and the writing process. So um, that's what I'm reading. And then what I'm listening to right now. So there's a podcast that I'm listening to right now called 1619 that's been it's being produced by The New York Times. Um, And so I, I, I don't even know if my um, explanation of it will do it justice, but essentially um, it's about American slavery and the history of slavery in America. And it's so well done and it's incredibly interesting. And um, I think it should be required listening for every, every single American. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now what are you binge watching or do you binge watch? I do binge watch. Um, and I just finished binge watching, uh, living with yourself with the, the new Paul Rudd show on Netflix. Um, he actually in the show works for an advertising agency. Um, and he, uh, plays himself and also himself. Um, and he does a great job and it's just super fun. And, and, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it's pretty deep and it really, um, for me, uh, it addresses getting to to understand your weaknesses and you know kind of like yourself a little bit more and and learn to appreciate yourself. So I I, I really liked it. That's good. Whenever I hear uh, or see Paul Rudd, I can't help but think of him in Friends as Phoebe's boyfriend. And one specific episode. Do you will you have any idea what that specific episode may be? Not yet. No. Okay, so it's when uh, Phoebe and Mike, that's who he plays in the show, get married, and she has to go and change her name, and she goes to the wherever they go to change her name, the courthouse or whatever, and the lady's like, well, you can change your name to whatever you want, and she was like, this light bulb goes off, and Phoebe's character, she names herself uh, Princess Consuela Banana Hammock, and... (laughs) And so she's so excited and she goes back and tells her new husband, Mike, that she's changed her name to Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah. And um, so he's like, well, fine, I'm going to change my name. And uh, it's 
crap bag. <laughs> like, okay, I, it, this is so funny. And so this is whatever I think of when I think of Paul Rudd. He named he he told people he was going to name himself Crap Bag because she named herself Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. And when someone comes in that that Mike has never met was an old friend of Phoebe's. Right after this, like. Uh, interaction happens he's like oh honey aren't you going to introduce me to your friend and she's like oh yes this is my husband crap bag and he's like and if you have trouble remembering it just picture Uh, a bag of crap yes (laughs) do you typically leave these types of things in wait (laughs) totally this is absolutely staying in well i think that's a great example of personal branding and you know how that how that you know people think of you when you leave a room and the best part of it is that you have to be actively watching friends to remember that so perfectly because i watched every episode and you really gave it like you really described it you know you're you're watching friends right now aren't you i'm not but when i get something that really strikes me funny i it's like my mind is a steel trap i have all kinds of useless things like rattling around well friends here. has come back like it's it's back again it's with the, with the, the 90s yeah. yeah well so um there is and i think we should link to this um because there is a promo promo video that came out for the the new netflix show living with yourself by paul rudd i don't work for them or netflix or paul rudd um but he halves an apple with his bare hands and i think that we should have a challenge to see who can do this because he just takes an apple and pulls it apart with his hands wow okay i think we should all try it paul rudd challenge the paul rudd challenge hashtag paul rudd challenge we're gonna start that (laughs) all right Awesome. Well, that was very insightful, Georgia. It was so much fun to have you on and talk about all the things that encompass brand. Honestly, I think this could be like a multi-series talk about how, because we're really, we tried to talk about a lot of different things in one episode, but I really think that we could have a multi-episode series about branding and what it's implementation not implementation, but implications. There you go. Implications and, and here's fun- are this is what happens, guys, when we record a podcast here's late the fun in the day. News. We're the not going to edit out anything. So this no, live just like this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I have been a longtime fan of Building Perspective, so it's been just a great honor to be on the show. You know, the logo is pretty special. Um, what do you think about the logo? I think whoever made it, whoever created it, was probably a, a, a branding genius. I agree. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to another episode of Building Perspective. Make sure you go onto our Facebook page, Building Perspective. Check us out. Join in on the conversation. Chime in. Interact with peers all over the country that are like-minded, just like you in sales and marketing and home building. And uh, share your knowledge. This is what this is all about. So share your knowledge, and uh, we will chat with you again next week. Thanks so much. Mm